Today's podcast is an inspirational story, I think, about one of our candidates. And he's quite an amazing guy. I'm not going to give away too much details to identify him. But he always surprises me with two things. His, his determination and his, his ability to take feedback and criticism and act on it, which is just astounding. He is a PhD candidate of Chinese origin, working in the United States, studying and working in the United States. Just a really nice guy. I enjoy speaking to him. I like his accent, firstly, because of the way he speaks. But he also got these really funny stories to tell me. And he's always a bubbly guy, right? He's always got nice, interesting things. He's always active and proactive. And he looks on the bright side of things. He was telling me about how he's the only non-white person in the team for his internship. And he looks at the bright side of things. It's difficult, but he looked at the bright side of the difficulty. And this guy's story is very amazing because of the strategy he chose to follow to get interviews. Now, he hasn't gotten interviews yet, but he's gotten four of the ones he's wanted, and one of them includes McKinsey as well, right? And the strategy he followed was just so audacious. It, it, he followed the strategy we, we asked him to follow, but he did it in such an audacious style that I've got to commend him for. He was one of the few people that took our feedback and made it work, right? And he also took criticism, which I'll talk about later. So, you know, we tell females don't network with other females, and we tell people in general don't network with juniors. No offense to juniors. I was one myself. A lot of my personal friends have children, daughters, and sons who are associates and analysts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I just feel they don't have enough influence. They also tend to be a bit scared of referring people they don't know. So what invariably happens is that they refer people that they know very well, and they don't really have a lot of influence. And they're also so excited to be at McKinsey, they want to keep that elitism that they would prefer if you didn't join. Because obviously the more people that join, the less elite it is to belong to this outstanding club. So this guy, who I will call Henry, for to make it easy, rather than calling him this guy all the time, Henry decided to take our feedback to heart. And he went after the most senior people. And I mean most senior people. He went after the most senior people. He went and wrote to the managing director in charge of the firm for that continent. So he didn't just write to a partner. He didn't just write to a principal. He wrote to the most senior partners, the people who sit on the executive committees, right? And I was a little bit surprised at his strategy because I said, Henry, do you know that if you write to the senior person, you better have something good to tell them, right? And he said, yeah, Michael, I understand this. He said, okay. Henry, your email you have is not good enough. It's too generic, you know. You, firstly, your points you raise are too detailed. They're kind of all over the place. I don't know what you're trying to say. If you want to send this email to the senior guy, you need to be far more clear. Be precise. Write a good prose. There must be a good story in your email. So he, he edited it, right? And it'll come back and he'll say, and he'll say, Michael, can you look at this over Skype? And he'll say, well, Henry, you, you didn't take my feedback here. You missed this point. I think you've made this better. You've, you've damaged this bullet. You've got to fix this bullet. He'll take it back. And, he, and I remember they were actually clearly in the sense that some of these, some, some cases, editing just one email he's going to send. We had about 15 back and forths. And it may have taken about, I think, four or five days, sometimes two weeks to get one email done right. But he would be persistent. He'd come to me and say, Michael, does this make sense? Now, I don't mind helping someone who takes feedback. I really hate when people don't take feedback and then, you know, pester me for, for guidance. But this guy would take feedback. And some of the criticism I gave him was very direct. Because when you're typing over Skype, you don't have time to say, Dear Henry, I know you are trying really hard. Kudos to you. Because I am in wherever in the world I am at that point with the team, I don't have time to write a long email because I'm holding uh, McDonald's fries in one hand, I'm using an iPad, and I've got one finger to type on. So you know, I don't have that contact. I was just saying, Henry, paragraphs three, terrible. You've got to rewrite it. It doesn't prove anything you're trying to say. He'll go ahead, he'll rewrite it, and he'll come back. 
He did this for all of the MDs, and I'm talking guys who sit on the executive committee for the firms worldwide. These are the most senior partners, right? And he would send them these mails, well-researched. Obviously, his mails are not just basic mails. He'd ask them very pointed questions. He challenged them a little but I mean, once I remember he was challenging a McKinsey global MD, uh, not global MD, that title means nothing, but one of the guys who sits on the management co- managing committee of McKinsey, right? Senior partner, senior, senior guy, challenging him about what McKinsey is doing to maintain their standards. And I said, hey, hold on a second, you can't write an email like that today. She's uh, such a senior guy. I know what you're trying to say, but I want you to word it in a less offensive way. He did that. He took my feedback and he worked on it. He worked on it. He worked on it. And he sent these emails back. And you know what? It worked for him because he took the time to do the emails correctly, do research, rewrite everything. And he had the right personality, right? He really took time to do good research. None of his emails were generic. You know, most people will say, I want to work at McKinsey because he trains great people. None of that nonsense. He read, he looked at what work he was doing. He looked at a McKinsey report and said, this is the interesting work I'm doing. I think it can be useful to McKinsey in Korea, China here. Let me send an email to the executive committee member in charge of China, Korea, and let's tell him how we can use the work. So, so it's an email that, you could, that no one else could use because it was so perfect for Henry. He sent it, and you know what? Within like three hours, these managing directors were responding to him. And eventually, they said, look, you know what? We'll put you into the process. We want to speak to you. And he managed to get four interviews already through that process. I know he's waiting for one other. I think he's waiting for a couple others. I know he did get rejected one firm, but I don't think he went the uh, management committee route for that one firm. And the reason I like Henry's story is that Henry is one of those people that I think takes criticism well. He's one of those people we like giving feedback to because he actually does something with it. When we give criticism to a lot of people, feedback, they always defend the work they've done. And you know what it then becomes? It becomes a process of us trying to explain to them why they have to do something to help themselves. Henry took the feedback and worked with it. We have candidates today, right, who are struggling to get interviews at firms because they're not taking feedback. We have a candidate whereby we're telling her, look, there is a concern that you don't take feedback well and you're a bit opinionated. And her response to that was, well, you know what? I don't think I'm an opinionated. So, okay, good. Something more we can say about it. Previously, we used to try to get candidates to understand that, you know what, you are being opinionated. You have to change your mind. You really have to do this. But at a certain point, we realized that we can't push candidates too much. They have to be self-driven. If you're not self-driven, you're not going to make it anyway. But Henry's a great story of why targeting senior people but doing the work well will make it for you. We, we have candidates and we have people who are not candidates who we work with. They always ask us to check resumes if I'm available. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll respond to it. I'll send you a podcast you know, with my thoughts, detailed pod, in a podcast where I'll tear it apart. You're not even a client of the firm, but I'll help you get it right. And I find a lot of people, they'll do three or four changes and they say, I'm tired, I, Michael. I can't think this through. I don't want to make the change. But here's Henry making, I counted 15 changes to one email to get it just perfect. And you know what? He gets... The interview invite against all hearts. He writes to, and anyway, Henry doesn't come from a prestigious family where his father sits on the, you know, whatever the council is called that runs China, or his mother is someone important. He's a working class guy. He's a working class guy that is willing to improve at every single step. And I think Henry's story is is just amazing because he followed the rules amazingly well. You know, we'd give him feedback on little things. So Henry, you know what? I don't I don't know exactly what it is about this email. But I think that you could make it smaller because if I'm a 
part there and I'm sitting in a meeting and I check my mail, most likely my BlackBerry or iPhone, I, I would want you to write this email so it can fit on my screen, right? And now for the last 10 sessions with Henry, we were going back and forth trying to get the perfect half a page email and then I'd tell him, you know what, I want to change this now. But Henry doesn't get upset. He says, you know what, that makes perfect sense. It's eminently logical. I'm going to change it. I'm going to put a really nice headline so that they know what this email is about before they open it. And that's why Henry has been so successful. Now, I think he is going to have to obviously step up for the interviews, but he takes advice well. He acts on it. And he shows why if you, if you network at the senior levels, even with people you don't know, but if you really prepare well, you can make things work. And it was hard, but it was okay to help Henry because he did things. Henry was a kind of guy that uh, you told him to do something, he wouldn't say, how should I do this? He would go ahead, think about it, come back with a plan and say, Michael, I came up with this, what do you think? Most people, if you tell them to do something, they'll come back to you and say, how do I do it? I don't know how to do it. Tell me how to do it, which is obviously the wrong attitude. But I find Henry's attitude to be refreshing. And, and uh, you know, w with the PhD invites coming out, we did well. I think only four of our candidates, we have 37 PhDs going into interviews in September. Only four didn't get interviews from one of, you know, from McKinsey, right? Um, the rest all got in. And not all of them were shoe-ins, right? A lot of those people were long shots, but they followed a good networking strategy, a brilliant networking strategy, which Henry, I know Henry is going to be able to identify himself when he listens to this podcast. I mean, he's, his, what's the word I'm looking for? His experiences and his successes has helped us nuance the way we guide our PhDs into getting interviews. It's an amazing job. And I think that if people can just, take the time to do these things, they can go very far. Then there's nothing truly extraordinary about Henry's background. He doesn't come from an amazing school. Doesn't have, he has good grades, but not an amazing grades, not, you know, 4.0s and so on. But he does the work to get there. I think Henry's story is a great story.